Today on the Almond Journey podcast. I grew up in it, but until you actually see how it flows through your checkbook and the struggles that you go through, it just helps you relate a lot better. We're talking farming and finances with banker Ted Reimers and CPA Robert Holterman, who both also happen to be almond growers. the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive this almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I get to travel up and down the valley, virtually in most cases, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. In today's episode, we're going to make a couple stops to talk with both a banker and a CPA who also grow almonds. First, you're going to hear from Ted Reimers, vice president in the agribusiness group at American Ag Credit in Turlock. Although Ted's located in the Central Valley, his orchard is all the way up in Orland, California, close to Chico. And then we're going to head to the south end of the valley to Kern County to visit with Robert Holterman. Robert farms with both his dad and his brother near Wasco, and he's also a certified public accountant or CPA. I had the chance to sit down with both Ted and Robert at the Almond Conference back in December to record these interviews. You're going to hear a little bit about both of their farming operations and how their perspectives as a banker and a CPA, respectively, have informed the decisions they're making for their farm businesses. We're going to kick things off with Ted, who grew up on a livestock operation up in Orland, but has been working in ag lending in the Central Valley for the last 23 years. When I started in 2000, I come into farm credit as a credit analyst. You're looking at different operations. You're spreading tax returns and balance sheets, understanding how to look at at somebody's overall financial health. And so then as you mature and, and learn, Uh, You're going out and talking with customers, helping them structure certain deals and putting putting deals together for them. So I just moved up market from there, getting uh, more and more complicated. A lot of our farmers and ranchers have gotten a little bit more complicated and consolidated. So, you know, we're dealing with multiple entities, LLCs, inks, things like that. So I just basically moved up market through my career. Yeah. And, and where are you from? And, you know, where did you end up? <laughs> yeah. So kind of an interesting story. I grew up in Northern California, small town at Orland, west of Chico. Parents have a cow-calf operation there. So I grew up uh, doing that. And then I went to college up in Oregon, came back. My dad's paying a minimum wage. And so I had a finance degree and started working at Farm Credit. Found a job in Patterson, California, three hours south of the ranch and got ingrained. I love the community in the Central Valley and uh, I've been working there ever since. Great. So you're still at Patterson today? Turlock. So fairly close. So I finance a lot of the farmers, ranchers around there. But during that time, you know, just looking at the uh, tree nut industry, almonds and walnuts, um, I wanted to farm myself. So I planted my own walnut orchard in 2006 and my wife and I farm that still today. And then we've kind of expanded on that and I grow some almonds as well now. Great. So take us back to the time when you decided to kind of, you know, get in the production ag game yourself. You know, what was going on at that point that you thought, okay, this is my opportunity to get started in this? I've always wanted to farm or ranch. Um, Living three hours south of the family's ranch, I know I couldn't get into beef cows. You know, you need to be there. They're going to run off, break down the fence. Uh, So trees don't run around a lot. So 
I really focused on that. I think at that time in 2006, walnut prices were doing pretty well. So I, uh, I bought a piece of property next to the family ranch in Orland and um, planted walnuts. Well, I mean, over the years, you've probably learned quite a few lessons, either firsthand or by watching others about working with farmers, about kind of being a, you know, trusted advisor, for lack of a better term. You know, maybe can you talk about that, that, you know, key lessons or what you see other people who are kind of coming up in the industry now uh, needing to learn anything along those lines? Well, it's, it's extremely tough to get into farming, you know, just to break into that. It's a lot of capital needed in farming. I see that as a banker, you know, we can lend you all the money, but you still need to pay it back. So there are programs out there to help young beginning small farmers get going. Farm Credit has a few of those programs to help out working in conjunction with Farm Service Agency and some of their programs. So getting your foot in the door and expanding to a size that's uh, economical where you can go full time. I still haven't got there yet after 20 some odd years of being able to go full time farming. So I work with a lot of farmers, ranchers trying to structure deals that work for their operation, you know, really focusing on their cash flows and making sure the repayments of those debts match up to that, making sure they have enough working capital to operate in, year in, year out. You know, over the time I've been in banking, rates have been fairly good and commodity prices have been fairly good, you know, tree nut prices. And so that we're entering a time now where it's, um, where we're going to have to really figure out how to structure deals and look differently at it and help people get through this tough time. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know when it comes to deal structuring. So like what, what types of creative options are out there for structuring deals? Can you give any examples of, of what that might look like? Um, it's all dependent on somebody's operation. You know, they could have a, another piece of property that uh, can be included in the collateral pool Maybe we need to upscale the operating line to allow them to hold some inventory and sell at a better, better price point. We can defer payments. We can extend out amortizations. We can you know, do a number of different things to help them get through those tough times. So sometimes farmers have losses, and so we're able to you know, term out some of those losses and pay those over you know, a better time. Yeah. What about... Um I'm sure you probably advise or mentor or work with at least other lenders. You know, what, what type of advice do you give to other lenders uh, during this time to help better serve their farmer and rancher customers? A lot of it has to do with listening. You know, you need to listen to them, understand their operation, and then you kind of figure out, you know, where they want to go. So the listening, figuring that out, and then really put together a game plan together with them to help structure those deals. So there's a number of ways you can do it, and it's really dependent on the commodity you're financing, the, the area you're in, the size of the farmer, and what they can do. So, um, but a lot of it starts with understanding what they're doing, where they're at, and where they want to go, and helping them get there. Do most people know where they want to go? I feel like I meet a lot of people who just, they want to grow, but they haven't thought beyond that. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question when you ask them that. You know, everybody wants to grow, but opportunities only come up every once in a while. Sometimes they don't come up at the right time, um, but you need to know that you want to take advantage of those opportunities. And so I think just asking that question, getting people to think about it, getting farmers to think about it. Yes, I want to be to, you know, from 100 acres to 150, or I want to be from 1,000 to, to 2,000. Really understanding that helps us uh, put together a plan and structure and uh, that'll work for them and meet their goals. Sure. Well, you grew up in production agriculture, but I'm curious when you 
kind of bought the farm yourself, did that change your perspective at all that you could carry into your day job? Uh, I found out it's really tough to farm. You know, it takes a lot of just daily hard work ethic and you got to be there every day for the most part. And I have a day job, so it makes it very, very difficult to farm. So everybody that is out there farming, it, it is tough. And so I've learned that. I think a lot of people at Farm Credit, a lot of us have, you know, some farming operations of their own. We grew up in ag, uh, so we can really relate to those farmers that we're working with. So I grew up in it, but until you actually see how it flows through your checkbook and the decisions and struggles that you go through, it just helps you relate a lot better. That's great. So, you know, for you, I'm curious, you know, what challenges are rising to the forefront if that kind of cross over both your your day job and lending and and farming? You know, what challenges are you dealing with uh, both in your day job and your weekend job? (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody's experienced it. Rising interest rates are just at the forefront of everybody's mind. You know, they're rising back to where they were when I started in 2000. So a lot of those fixed rates, things like that, people are worried about a recession coming and Fed's trying to tamp out inflation. So a lot of my conversations with, with farmers now are around those macroeconomic types of impacts on our industry and what we're going through. So that, that rate thing is impacting both the banking side and the farming side of the operation. Input costs are going up. Everybody knows that too. So I'm looking at it on my farming operation. I see, you know, increasing costs and budgets I'm getting from the farmers that I work with. Um, And then just, you know, everybody's talking about the price too. So in walnuts, in almonds, depressed price, you know, when's that going to turn? Do we sell now? Do we hold on, pay that higher rate, you know, while I hold on? So a lot of decisions people got to make and we just kind of listen, talk through it, hopefully provide some good advice to help them out in their specific operation. And, and as far as that advice goes and the macroeconomic factors, where do you go for info? Is it internally from farm credit that, you know, the economists can kind of pass along to you, you can pass along to growers, or where do you recommend growers go to find out, you know, the best information about what's happening out there? The Almond Board's got the best information. They really do about the industry and what's going on there. I talked to a number of just local processors on prices, things like that, where that's going. Um, and then Farm Credit, ironically, we just put together a group of economists here in the last month. And one is, uh, is going to be specific on the tree nut and specialty crops in California. So uh, the group's called Terrain. You know, other banks have done the same things with economists and trying to provide that additional information to help our customers out. So we're doing the same thing. Great. Cool. Well, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to make any predictions or pull out a crystal ball here, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, how do you see things playing out here in the coming months and, and maybe years as far as, um, you know, what drivers should we be watching that are really going to impact sort of farm economics? Yeah. So there's a lot of discussions yesterday on the Almond Board and the economists they had speaking. So a lot of those drivers are where inflation goes the unemployment rate, things like that, how fast the Fed keeps pushing interest rates up, because when the Fed pushes interest rates up, we have to raise rates as well, along with that ag rate. So keep that and watch that. The Ukrainian war has really started to push fertilizer prices up. Uh, We get a lot of our fertilizer out of Russia and Ukraine area. And then um, the logistics and the shipping thing, I think is starting to open up a little bit. Um, A lot of discussion around that. So I think those few macroeconomic things are, are going to impact us the most. So hopefully, you know, there's a bright spot here coming in Q2, Q3 of 2023. And uh, um, I think uh, 
common industry has a lot to look forward to as well. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it can be squeezed much more with a combination of interest rates and low prices and high input costs. It seems like it's kind of just a triple whammy that something's got to give, right? You'd hope. Yeah, the other the other issue, you know, specifically to California is the drought and water availability. I have a little insight to that. Uh, my wife is a general manager of Turlock Irrigation District. So the first irrigation district in California, uh, they also have utilities, so serve um, 150,000 utility customers as well. So she's working hard on the water side and I'm trying to work hard on the, the banking side and, and farmers financing there. Mm-hmm. Do you have uh, farmer clients that say, hey, can you talk to your wife and ask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put in com- a good word for me. <laughs> I am always trying to put in a good word. So she's doing a great job uh, trying to protect those water rights and, and have that water reliability for the customers in Turlock Irrigation District. What about on your farm? Putting your farmer hat back on for a minute here. Um, what's next for you? What's on the top of your mind? What are you looking at uh, for the next year with your farming operation? Yeah, I think it's uh, the same as everybody. You know, with uh, the crop this year, it doesn't look like we're going to have a good price, you know, at the end of the day. So looking at my working capital position, making sure that uh, I've got enough money to, to get through this next year, um, because every farmer is optimistic. Next year is going to be even a little bit better. So I'm focused on this next year, getting through that, making sure the the trees are taken care of, got enough fertilizer and everything else, and not cutting back that too much because uh, they need to be producing next year and the year after as well. So, well, Ted, anything else that we didn't get to that you were hoping to at least mention or had in mind? No, not really. I'm just really optimistic about the, the almond industry as a whole, uh, the level of expertise we got in the industry, the excitement around you know, the, the health benefits of almonds. It's just a, a great industry to be in. And I, and I think uh, the price is just a matter of time before it turns around. And some of these macroeconomic impacts on the industry will, will subside and it'll get better. So I'm very optimistic about it. Well, thank you again to Ted Reimers for taking the time to do that interview. And next, we're going to move from an orchard way up north to one way down south as we hear from fourth generation almond farmer and certified public accountant Robert Holterman. Robert grew up on the farm there in Kern County and returned to farm full time alongside his father and brother about six years ago. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and I took a different track than most farmers do. I actually went through the uh, School of Business, got my degree in accounting and went the tax route. So I became a CPA for about five years prior to coming back to the farm about six years ago. Okay. Did you always know you wanted to come back eventually or was that kind of uh, something you came to realize over time? As I got older, I wanted to come back. Always enjoyed working on the farm, especially as I got older. And the opportunity came up, and that's when it was just a good time to make the switch back into the farming operation. And when you were practicing CPA, uh, was that close by, or were you somewhere else? It was on the coast. Okay. San Luis Obispo. Oh, okay. So you kind of stuck around. What everybody wants to do who goes to Cal Poly, like stick around a while. It was great. It was great. So my, my wife and I, I met her at Cal Poly. And then we, we stayed on the coast for a number of years and it was, it was great. Cool. Well, tell me about the farm as far as kind of, what do you all grow in there? Is it mostly almonds or what, what else do you have? We actually are entirely almonds, as I mentioned, down in Kern County. So we've been farming almonds uh, since the 1970s, my family has. So quite a while. So your family's seen quite the evolution of an industry. Absolutely. It's changed so much technology. 
just all the farming practices going from flood irrigating, now having drip irrigation, fertilizers doing, you know, big shots of fertilizer and now having fertilizer programs that are fine-tuned. Yeah, a lot of changes. And so I know Kern County, but like where, you know, relative to Bakersfield, uh, give us kind of lay the land where you're at. My family farms in Wasco from the north side of Shafter all the way uh, to the north side of Wasco. So we're, we're scattered out a little bit. All right. Yeah. Somewhat familiar. I've been down there at least. And, you know, for you, what role do you play? Because it's your dad and your brother, you said, and yourself, you know, what role do each of you play on the farm or is it kind of a, a mixed bag? We do anything that needs to be done on any given day. Being small family farmers, we're hands-on. We do everything that needs to be done. Our primary roles, my dad oversees the operation. He makes sure we're, we're doing everything we need to do. Uh, my brother and I primarily take care of the day-to-day operations. So for myself, with my background, I take care of the business. So anything business-related from crop sales to financials, tax-related, any of those types of items. Uh, my brother on his side, he takes care of the cultural side of things. So we, we work together and have a great team. Great. Are there any problems that you had either this past year or at least in recent years, you know, that uh, have been worse recently than maybe they used to be? Any, any problems you're dealing with uh, today that have come top of mind? I think today the challenges that most almond growers are facing are just the low prices. It's low prices combined with high inputs. We're it's high interest rates, cost of fertilizers high, PG&E rates are going up astronomically. Um, so I think taking all that into account, there's a lot of challenges within the industry. And I think it's working forward, being able to utilize those partnerships that you already have with your PCAs, you know, all, all kinds of advisors, uh, utilizing the technology, being able to become more efficient and help mitigate some of those challenges. Sure. Yeah. Well, and speaking of advisors, do you still do any CPA work uh, on the side or pretty much 100% farming now? Uh, 100% farming, yes. I'm sure there's a lot from your CPA training and your CPA experience that you have been able to bring to the farm. Uh, but is there anything that stands out as like, okay, because of my knowledge as a CPA, I really care about this. Anything that I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is glean some of your CPA wisdom for other farmers out there. Got it. One of the first things I did when I came back into our farming operation was really start taking a look at both income and costs on a block by block basis. I think it's very important, especially in these times, some orchards may make money. And then as you get older, the older in age, it helps make decisions on when to remove those orchards and just the economics of it. Uh, so I, I think that's something that is really good for growers that have multiple blocks. It's, it's a really good thing to dig into those details and figure out where you're making money, where you're not, and what makes sense economically. And do you just use QuickBooks for something like that or a spreadsheet or is there a software that you can use for that? I've been using both QuickBooks and spreadsheets to track a lot of that. Yeah. Did anything surprise you or without having to go into details, once you started doing that, did anything stand out as like, well, I'm glad we did that because X, Y, and Z, you know? I would say what really stood out to me is once an orchard gets above 20 years is really tracking when it's making money, when it's not, and how much things can change given the price of almonds. So if back a few years, the price of almonds was significantly higher, those older orchards, it made economic sense to keep them in, keep farming them. You fast forward to 2022. And it's a whole different ballgame in terms of how the costs look and is it economically viable to keep farming those orchards. 
That's a great point because I could see it being easy to say, okay, it's it's 18, we're going to let it go. I don't know, whatever the case may be, five more years and then kind of forgetting about it until that time's up. But the condition is going to change drastically, especially in the price volatility that we've had recently. Absolutely. What's top of your mind kind of headed into the new year as far as in your operation questions or things that are, you know, I don't want to say keeping you up at night because that sounds like that has to be a worry. It doesn't have to be a worry. Just something you're focused on, a priority for you in your operation in the new year. I would say the biggest focus right now is finding a way to continue to be efficient. If there's any places that we can cut costs on ways to keep yields up. So I think trying to find that balance of really, really tightening it up during these tougher economic times. So I, I think all almond growers right now are in the same boat. We've had some challenges, but I think there'll be a lot of opportunities on, on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now, you know, it was a particularly challenging time. As you mentioned, some growers getting squeezed from multiple directions and a lot of pressure. What keeps you optimistic? You know, kind of what, what keeps you driving forward that brighter days are ahead? I would say that everything in life is cyclical. We're in a position right now where, where there's, there's a large oversupply of almonds. I think that what keeps me optimistic is knowing that everything will balance out, especially economics will dictate, you know, what direction growers go. If growers are losing money on almonds, it'll probably encourage them to, you know, maybe plant a different crop like tomatoes or carrots, alfalfa, uh, something of that nature. So that's what keeps me optimistic is that everything will eventually balance out. Farming is a big gamble. You rely on weather, you rely on crop markets, you rely on so many other people. Supply chains, as we've learned. Yeah. Supply chains, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So you rely on other people. And so being able to have, not have that control and just do with it what you can, I think is, is a big thing. So farmers tend to stay optimistic during the hard times because especially the older farmers, they've been through hard times. And I think it's just how you respond and how you weather the storm. Sure. Yeah. And what's that look like for you? You know, how do you manage your own stress in such a period of uncertainty? I think just keep your head down, keep working hard. Uh, like I mentioned, just try to find ways to become more efficient. Try to find ways to become a better almond grower. Find ways to cut costs. Find ways just to do something a little more unique, a little different. Well, I asked you about kind of your hope for the new year or like what's kind of like on your mind going in the new year. Uh, let's talk longer term. You know, for you, what's, what's your vision for, for where you want to take the family business or kind of what that looks like in the longer term? Absolutely. So we are, uh, as I mentioned, uh, fourth generation growers. My brother and I are both fourth generation and we both have children. So my goal is that we can continue growing the family operation. I'd really like to see our operation grow through uh, farm management, through helping other growers out with their finances, you know, finances, crop sales, things like that. Being able to be that source to help other growers is what I'd really like to do. Great. Well, I mean, with your CPA background, I would think you're uniquely suited for that type of advising. That'd be cool. Do you tend to get a lot of questions from people like, hey, you're a CPA. Can you tell me about this? I mean, so kind of free advice. I do. Um, I, I tend to deflect or I tell them you can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> Very smart. It's, a, my, it's an easy way to deflect. <laughs> yeah. My wife's a veterinarian, so she gets it a lot. But great. Well, what else didn't we get to, Robert? Um, I'm trying to think. I think you got to my questions. Anything that you thought you know, you'd like to include in uh, a recording about, you know, your operation and kind of your view on the almond industry today? I would say from a grower standpoint, 
we're in tough times right now. And I think for all growers out there, we're just going to try to do everything we can to keep moving forward. So I, I think just from that standpoint, it's keeping your head down and uh, just trying to become more efficient. Well, thank you to Robert for sharing his time on today's episode. He also has like the perfect podcast voice, so he should probably be doing my job, really. But that's it for today's episode. Thanks so much to both Ted Reimers and Robert Holterman for sharing their unique perspectives on the show. I definitely appreciated the chance to bring their expertise on the credit and on the counting sides of the business to this podcast. We here at the Almond Journey Podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders, people like Robert Holterman or like Ted Reimers, may have sparked some sort of idea or connection that you can use in your own journey. And that's exactly why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice, maybe leaving us a rating and review, and please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.